Thank you, Kobe, for sharing with us this morning. Um, you know, it's interesting how when you make a bold statement, how God calls you on the carpet on it. About a month ago, when we announced that we were going to be planting a church in Colleen, I was like, y'all, I'm excited about sending you out. But apparently there were blinders in my mind about Kobe because I didn't even think about him leaving us. And so um, when he called me originally and told me what the Lord was doing in his life, um, I felt probably how you're feeling right now, okay? But I want you to know and hear me say, I am confident that Kobe is obeying the Lord. Um, we as elders have been praying, and, and I'll share with you this um, briefly this morning, um, just a word that the Lord gave me, because we've been praying about this time of transition and the timing of it all. And um, they had asked if Kobe could begin there on the 18th, which means he'll have next Sunday with us, um, and then we're going to send him out next week. And that's how it's going to play out. And, and so I'm praying about that, and this is what the Lord said this morning. Uh, this is when one of my Tozer devotions says, There is a time to wait and a time to act. When sometime, we sometimes confuse the two. When we know God's will, it is always time to do God's will. And so um, next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to do a proper send-off for Kobe. Glenn will be back. Um, and so I want to encourage you this week to be thinking about the time that you've had with Kobe. And if you'd like to share some words, we're going to have an opportunity for that next week. Uh, we're going to pray over he and Carly and the boys. Uh, I'm not sure how we'll do that with COVID restrictions, but it's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to lay hands on them, at least some of us, and, and send them off properly. Um, but I want you to, to know that I am now excited. I am excited because I know what the Lord has in store for Kobe. I, I told him when we met Monday, um, this is going to be one of the hardest things he's ever done. Um, and we need to know that. We need to be praying for him because like you just said, it's going to be completely different. It's a different uh, church than we are. And it's good. God's called him there for a reason. I also thought about this morning, um, we should not be surprised because when God had us told us originally that it was time to plant TGP West, Kevin got called to go to another church. So apparently that's how this works. Just make a mental note because um, apparently that's what we, what we need to do. Okay. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. We're going to celebrate with the Normans. As we look at the word this morning, God has given us a very specific word for today. Obviously, I was thinking about this week as we were um, preparing, but here's what I want you to think about this morning. I don't know about your past, but in mine, anytime um, someone left the staff of the church, it's because someone was unhappy, right? Whether it was the staff member or it was the membership of the church. And I want you to hear very clearly that that is not the case. I can only speak from my perspective and from the elders. Um, but Kobe has also expressed the same, that that's not why this transition is happening. Kobe is being obedient to the Lord um, and is obedient to his call um, to go somewhere else. And this is the kind of testimony, this is the kind of transition that we should see as normal, right? Not that people leave because they're mad. If that's what's happening, then we're not being the church, Right? And so I want us to be excited with them and celebrate with them, even though this is difficult, because this is the very kind of thing that Christ calls all of us to do, right? To step out in obedience, even when it's uncomfortable, so that we can, we can build up the kingdom of God, that we're not here to build up a kingdom for ourselves, um, you know, we've talked about this before, that God has not called us to TGP to be a church of people that just sit, right? That God, when he calls us to be a member of this church, it's because he has work for us to do. We talked about that 
at length last week how most of us most of us have spent the majority of our adult lives thinking about ourselves right in terms of how we make decisions and so today we're going to look at the other side of that coin and we're going to we're going to think about how God is going to use us and how God is preparing us to invest in the lives of others because that's what call Kobe's call is about this is not about a change of vocation it's way bigger than that It's God calling Kobe to invest in the lives of other people. And I want us to see that call for ourselves. Who is it that God's calling you to invest in? Because as believers, we're called first to be disciples, right? We know that. But then the second part of that call is to be disciple makers. But have you ever thought about what it means to be a disciple? Have you ever taken a moment to really dig in to think about what does that mean for you personally in your life? Today I want us to take some time, and we're going to look at a lot of different scripture, but we're going to look at when Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, you've heard me quote this many times, let's look at it again this morning. I want us to think about the call that Jesus is giving the disciples. It says this in verse 16, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near to them and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want to point out that there are 11 here, not 12. Right, And we know why there's not 12, and we'll get to that in a minute. But these 11 were committed followers of Jesus. They had seen him all the way to the cross, and not without failure. We're familiar with the gospel story that Peter denies Jesus. They all scatter with fear. But here they are, gathered back together. They obeyed Jesus and went to the mountain as he commanded. And notice that some are still doubting, is this really Jesus? But Jesus didn't pull them aside and say, because you're doubting, you are no longer qualified for this ministry that I'm calling you to. It says that Jesus said to all of them, he tells them to go and make disciples. But specifically, what that meant in this moment was to teach others all that Jesus had commanded them. Right? So all the things that they learned of the course of walking and following Jesus in three years of ministry, that is what they were called to go and to teach others. All the things that Jesus had taught them. And listen, I want you to hear me today. If you don't feel ready, if you have questions, if you're just unsure, it's okay. That does not disqualify you from ministry. God will use that that uneasiness to grow you as you obey. So one of the points I want to make today is that a disciple is one that follows and learns from Jesus. So to answer this question, what is a disciple? A disciple is one that follows and learns from Jesus. Let's continue in Luke 14, verse 26. It says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now listen, that's a tall order, right? To say that you must hate those that you love the most in order to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is not saying start there. He's not saying in order to be my disciple you must first hate your mother and your father and your children and your wives and your husbands. He's saying that if it comes to that point. If at some point in your ministry you have to make a choice. 
A true disciple will always choose to follow Christ. So the second point is a disciple is willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. Again, I want to restate, that's not the starting point, right? But that may be where God brings us at some point. And many of you have testimony to share that, okay? Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. Let me give you some context for this, because that's just one little chunk. This is, if you remember, the story where Jesus uh, is in the court, and the scribes and the Pharisees bring in this woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery, and they're trying to trap Jesus, and they say to him, the law says that, you should, that she should be stoned to death. What do you say? And if you remember, Jesus bends down, and he begins to draw on the dirt. And he stands up and he says, whoever's not, cast, whoever's not sin, cast the first stone. And so, of course, they all disperse. And he tells the woman, if there's no one here to accuse you, then neither do I. As Jesus is speaking to them, it says, and go back and read this story, but it says, as he is speaking to them, some of them begin to believe. And he knows this. And he tells those scribes and Pharisees who are beginning to believe, if they continue, quote, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. So a disciple is one that hears the word, but obeys the word as well. So a disciple is one that hears and obeys the word of Jesus. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You all are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In this story, Jesus is at the Last Supper. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but he had just served the 12 disciples. Judas was among that company, and Jesus knew what Judas was about to do. But he served him. He loved him. He served Judas knowing fully that Jesus was, a, Jesus was about to go and betray him, and it was going to cost him his life, but he loved him anyway. So a disciple loves like Jesus even to death, death to ourselves. In John chapter 15, verse 8, we've talked about this a lot at the gathering place. It says, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. The proof of discipleship is the fruit. Not our good works, not our good intentions. Remember, Jesus has just explained this. John chapter 15, this is where we get the abiding cycle from. Where Jesus says that I am the vine, you are the branch. And when you stay connected to me, when you abide in me, I will produce much fruit. Right? And so a disciple is one that abides, obeys, and subsequently produces fruit because of the obedience. We don't produce the fruit, Christ does. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their, win their widows were, not, were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men good of, repu of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, 
whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had to stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient in the faith. So the church is growing. There's needs that happen as the church. As you bring more people in, the needs increase. And listen, the church is growing not because they had a great growth strategy. We've talked about this passage a lot before too. The church is growing because these men and women are obeying what the Lord is saying to them. The church is growing because the fruit of their obedience, right? As they grew, so did the needs. And the apostles told the church to choose some among them that would take care of those specific needs. And the result was that the church continued to grow. And so a disciple is one that fulfills their role in the body of Christ. A disciple is one that fulfills their role in the body of Christ. Listen, church, I want you to hear me say this. This is important. I believe that God's intention for our church, part of the vision that he is piecing together for me, I don't have the full picture yet, but part of the vision that he's piecing together for me is that we would be a church that disciples people. That we would not be a church who sits here and just takes in the word for ourselves and it stays within us. But that we would be obedient to the command of Christ to be a disciple, but to also make disciples. So I want us to be a church. God is calling us to be a church that disciples people with the expressed purpose of releasing them to go and make more disciples. This is the process that Kobe is in right now that he just described for us. He has spent five years being mentored by Glenn, being loved by a church. Loved in a way that he's never felt before from another church. To the point where God is saying he is ready to not just be a disciple anymore, but to go and make disciples. What does it mean to to release others? It means that we're going to invest our lives in one another until God sends us out in ministry. We're talking about a church plant in Colleen. That means more of you are going to be sent out. We're going to have more of these Sundays where we mourn the fact that we're, we're being sent out, but we're also celebrating the fact that God has given us an opportunity to make disciples in other parts of this town. Right? We've talked about this before, but I want to remind you of who we are. We are a people who follow Jesus, who obey His Word. We've, we've started a message series. It was kind of unintentional. Last week we talked about investing in life. And it looks like the next couple of Sundays we're going to be talking about investing in life. But we're going to invest in life. But the way that we're going to do that, like we talked about last week, this is not about us focusing on ourselves. It's about us focusing on the people around us. We're going to invest in life by investing in your life so that you can then share that knowledge with other people. So that you can do that with someone else. In our, in our guiding documents, we have the, the passage. I don't remember where it's from, but I just thought about this. But we talk about this idea of progressively knowing Christ, right? That we're not, we don't get to a place where we go, yep, I know him. But every day, we progressively know more and more about who the person of Christ is. And as we do that as a body, 
Our call is to share that with other people. Look at me with Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We'll look at verses 1 through 3. Y'all, forgot, y'all thought I forgot about Ecclesiastes, didn't you? I'm fired up this morning. Look at me, verse 1 through 3. This is all we're going to do of Ecclesiastes today because it's enough. Okay? It says, Send your bread on the surface of the water, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out the rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where it falls, there it will lie. All right, y'all with me here for a minute? I read this for the first time. I was like, God, why would you put your bread in water? It's going to get soggy. Okay, if you didn't think about that, turn your brains on for just a minute. Okay, what the heck is he saying? Okay, he's being a little cryptic. Let's break this down. The author has made the case over and over and over through the book of Ecclesiastes that life is temporary, right? We don't have much time on earth. All our possessions are temporary. We just learned with a hurricane, you can have the most beautiful trees in the world, and big wind comes, they all fall down. Now you don't have pretty trees anymore, okay? We understand that life is temporary. In these verses, he's not talking about stockpiling for our own benefit. He's talking about, when he says, send your bread out over the water, he's talking about on a boat, okay? He didn't say that, but that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about stockpiling or hiding things for ourselves, but for the benefit of many. And I know that because it points to a couple of different passages. Look at me with, uh, for just a minute, Proverbs 28, verse 27. It says, The one who gives to the poor will not be in need, but one who turns his eyes away will receive many curses. This passage is also directly linked to Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 through 11. It says, if there is a poor person among you, one of, my, one of your brothers, within any of your city gates in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Instead, you are to open your hand to him and freely loan him enough for whatever, he need, whatever need he has. Be careful that there isn't this wicked thought in your heart. The seventh year, the year of canceling debts is near, and you are stingy toward your brother and give him nothing. He will cry out to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty. Give to him, and don't have a stingy heart when you give. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you do. For there you will never cease to be poor in the land. That is why I'm commanding you. Open your hand willingly to the poor and the needy brother in your land. Listen, this whole idea that he's talking about, that that God is trying to communicate to us, is that He is preparing us, but not for ourselves. This is not prosperity gospel. God's not talking about stockpiling up things so we all are real comfortable. He's talking about making preparations so that when the time of need comes, when a brother or sister comes to you in need, you are prepared to help them. Right? So the the one point I want to make out of this chunk today, and we're going to talk about it some more, is that we invest in life by preparing ourselves and our lives to serve others. I'm going to share some stories in a minute to help you understand what I'm trying to say. But we are preparing, not for our own benefit, so that when the time comes, we are able to help others as needed. Okay, and don't get confused here and think I've switched gears from talking about disciple making uh, or what it means to be a disciple to now talking about something else. This is all connected. This is not the beginning of a to-do list. Going in the same direction as the rest of what God is saying today, we are preparing to obey Christ. When I talk about investing in life and making preparations, we are preparing 
to be disciple makers. That's the preparation God's calling us to. We're talking about living intentionally. We're talking about living specifically with other people in mind. That the choices that we make are about them. We're talking about living in a way that everything that we do, we're doing out of love for other people that God has put in our lives. I want to share a story of what that looks like. And, and look, don't, don't hear this story and think, oh, Will's such a great guy. That's not the point. All we have to share is our own stories, right? So something happened last night. And I'm laying in the bed this morning. The alarm clock goes off and immediately my mind goes to this. And I felt like it was a word from the Lord that I needed to share this story this morning. Okay? This is a real life example of something that happened last night. I have a neighbor that I grew up with. And when we were kids, we were really great friends. But over the course of our lives, we've just, we've grown apart. Okay? However, I felt a nudge for a long time from God to love this person well. As some of you know, yesterday was the opening day of squirrel season and bow season for deer. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry. The rest of us had fun without you. The kids and, and I spent most of the day yesterday hunting squirrels. And last night, right at sunset, this is a great mental picture for you, Sally and I had shot at a squirrel, and we saw it fall, but we couldn't find anywhere. And it was the tie-breaking squirrel. Okay, the boys killed four in the morning, the girls had just killed four. And if we get this fifth squirrel, the girls win. Okay, it was a big deal. Like, I climbed a hickory tree looking for a squirrel. That's how big it, I got those scars and stuff to prove it. Okay, so we're looking for this squirrel. I am, I'm literally halfway up this hickory tree. And when I sat climbed a hickory tree, like the limbs on it were like this. Like the kids were like, Dad, you should probably come down. Okay? I had to bear hug that thing, and it, it was ridiculous. I was being ridiculous, but I wanted my girls to win because I love them. Okay? I'm halfway up a hickory tree, and my phone rings, and it's this neighbor who I rarely ever get a phone call from. And she's like, hey, I uh, just want to let you know um, I shot a deer and we're trying to track its blood trail and we're behind your house with flashlights, so don't get freaked out. It's just us. We're looking for this deer. I was like, okay, cool. So um, in that moment, <laughs> um, I was like, this is weird, but okay, whatever. And so Bethany and I, it's, we hunted too, I hunted too late and it's, it's dark now. We still got to clean squirrels. We got to get kids fed. We got to get showered in the bed. It's you know, Saturday night, which is like go time for us getting ready for Sunday morning because we have an army and it just takes a lot. Um, and so we get the squirrels cleaned and, um, and we eat supper and we do all that stuff. And I'm sitting there like shoving some food in my face. And Bethany was like, hey, do you think you need to go help uh, Ashley look for this deer? And that for me, that was a confirmation in the moment because I had the thought I should go help. But I didn't want to. When I leave, it puts all the work on her. And so I'm not going to just volunteer myself because... I've learned, right? Okay, so, um, so I called Ashley. I was like, hey, do you want some help? And she's like, yeah, that, you know, if you want, that'd be great, okay? So I grabbed all my gear and, and headed out to meet them in the woods. Uh, I meet up with her, and there's a couple other guys who have a dog that's trained to track blood trails and, and whatnot. Um, and so we're following this dog and these guys, and a couple of things happen that I want to point out. First is, I'd been out there with them about 15 minutes, and we were all kind of separate from each other in the woods, like literally looking for drops of blood. If you're getting grossed out by this, I'm sorry. <laughs> you live in Louisiana. Um, and so we're looking, we're track, trying to track this deer, and I get close to her, and I realize she's using the light on her cell phone, okay? Well, guess what I had in my pocket? Because I I'm, wasn't a Boy Scout, I always wanted to be. I had an extra flashlight. I was like, oh, hey, you, you want a flashlight? She's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, so, all right, God, I see what you're doing, Okay. I'm here for a reason. It's not just about me. 
So we tracked this deer all over the woods. I don't know how many miles we ended up going, but I mean, this deer made this huge circle. Like it even went back, like almost by her deer stand and out into another part of the woods. And it's a thicket. And when I mean thicket, like eventually we stopped following the guys and the dog because they were on their bellies crawling underneath briars trying to track this deer. And, and they were like, y'all just wait. We'll kind of figure it out where it goes. So we wait and we wait and we wait. And they're getting so far away we can barely hear them anymore. And we're right next to some railroad tracks that are by my house. And so I said, hey, why don't we go out to the railroad tracks and we'll go the direction they were going and we'll see if we can hear them. She says, okay. So we... We get up on the railroad tracks and we kind of sit and we wait and we listen and um, it's a long story of why we sat there for a little while but her son is with her. Uh, her son is the same age as my boys and, and I don't know if, yeah, none of the people I've done this with recently are here but on Wednesday nights when we're packing up, I love astronomy, all things space, I'm a nerd. If you didn't know that about me, now you know, okay? And so on Wednesday nights, I'll point out different planets and stuff that you can see because I enjoy that kind of stuff. And so I'm sitting there with Connor and I was like, oh, Connor, you see the moon right there? Yeah, of course. You see that big red thing right there? Yeah, that's Mars. Oh, cool. By the way, a little shameless plug for dad. Our names are on the rocket that's headed to Mars. I'll explain that later. We're super cool. Um, and so I'm pointing out all this stuff. This is significant. Hang with me. Okay. And, and I'm telling him about all the stars and the planets. You can see Saturn and Jupiter. And I pull out my phone. We're looking at other things. He goes, oh, there's Uranus. That's my favorite planet. Classic sixth, sixth grader. Um, and so uh, we, we go through that for a little bit. And then, and then I told Ashley, I was like, hey, look, I'm going um, to walk down the tracks a little further and see if I can hear anything. And so I get up and start walking. Well, Connor just gets up and follows me. And so now it's just he and I. And he, we had been talking about cell phones. He's like, yeah, I want a cell phone, but mom and dad won't let me have one. And he's like, of course, I can't use electronics right now anyway, because I got to be in one of my classes. And, and, uh, and so we talked about some other things and, and I just kind of kept that in the back of my head. Well, later in the evening, um, still have not found the deer. Ashley decides it's time to bring Connor home. And so I walk home with him. And so, because I got the flashlights. So I walk him home. She leaves Connor at the house and she's going to walk to her dad's house and get her truck. And I was like, hey, let me tell you about this funny story, um, this conversation I had with Connor. So I'm telling her all the things that Connor said. And she said, you know, the problem is he's just, he's, he's too smart and he doesn't have to study. But in science class, okay, listen, in science class, they've been learning about the solar system. And he says that it's just too much for him to remember. Y'all, I didn't know that. And I just spent 15 minutes with this kid pointing out all the planets that are in our solar system and the ones that we can see. And she's sitting there listening to that whole conversation. Now, here's a person that the Lord, I feel like, has told me to love well. I didn't go into that going, hey, you know what? Tonight, I'm going to help track a deer and also teach her son about the planets. That was not in the game plan for the evening. The game plan for the evening was we're going to clean these squirrels, eat supper, and go to bed. Okay? But the Lord was working. I don't know if she sees it yet, but she will. Okay? That was, that was big thing number one for last night. So we have that conversation, and the Holy Spirit's got my attention. And as we're getting to the truck, she says, Will, I really appreciate you helping me with this. She said, I'm a single mom. And she said, I don't just do this because I love the deer hunt. She said, you know, it's hard being a single mom. Finances are always tight. And if I can kill a deer and put it in the freezer, that means I don't have to buy meat for a whole year. Okay? She's not begging. She's just telling me where she's at. So my act of just going and helping her look for this deer literally was helping to put food on the table for her and her kids for the next year. I didn't know that. I'm just helping track a deer because that's what we do. 
right? If you live in Grand Parish and somebody says, we're tracking a deer, you go help track the deer. That's how life works. Here's the takeaway, okay? There's a point to all of this. We're talking about living for others and making disciples. And that doesn't always look like what we think it's going to look like. When I talk about being a disciple and making disciples, you probably get visions of Sunday school nightmares rolling through your head, right? And memorizing plans and strategies and here's how you're going to do it. And I'm saying that sometimes making a disciple means you go track a deer and talk to a kid about the stars and that's it. I'm talking about just being yourself and being God's in the moment, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that's how disciples are made. It's not by making some big plan. And look, I'm not saying plans are bad. I'm saying that we put too much reliance on the plan and not enough on the Holy Spirit. That as we are being ourselves, as we are being a people that abide in Christ, that our commitment is to listen and to obey, the Lord produces the fruit, not us. I didn't plan last night, but obviously the Lord did. When Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, this is what he's talking about. Look, in my church past, when I would read that scripture, it says my yoke is easy and my burden is light and I feel the weight of people's judgment on me in the church I'm in. I didn't see the truth of that scripture. But like many of you, as I have learned to abide and to obey, I feel feel the freedom that Kobe's talking about. That just being God's and being, in, in, being ourselves and being God's is enough. Listen, if we live in a way that prepares us for service when God calls, we will be investing in lives. That's the way it's going to naturally work. If you'll bear with me, I'm going to bring this full circle with one last story. Y'all good with that? Okay. So, I guess it was Thursday night. Bethany um, reads to the girls every night before bed, the two little ones. She comes out, she's like, hey, I got to tell you about this book we just read. It's so good. And so I'm going to summarize that book for you. The story goes like this. There's a little girl who sits on her grandfather's knee in the evenings. And he tells her about all the places in the world that he's been. And they live by the sea. And so the little girl says to her grandfather, one day I'm going to go see the world. And then I'm going to come and live by the sea. And he says, that's wonderful. But there's a third thing you should do. Do something to make the world more beautiful. Okay? And so it says she, she brushed her teeth and went to bed, got up, ate her porridge, went to school, and one day she was all grown. She gets her first job, and she decides it's time to go and see the world. And so she does. And she travels all over the world, and in her last adventure, she hurts her back, and she comes and she decides it's time to go and buy the house by the sea. And so she does. She builds or buys this house by the sea, and she plants, she scatters some seeds of these flowers called lupins at the base of the window. She gets very sick and, and has to stay in the bed for nearly a year. But she can see the lupins out in front of the window. And she thinks to herself, I still don't know what I'm going to do to make the world a more beautiful place. And she longs to plant more of these flowers that she loves. They're rose-colored and purple and blue. She, can't have, she doesn't have the strength. She finally gets better and she's able to leave the house. And she, she goes up the hill, and on the other side of the hill, she sees that the ground is covered with these lupins. And she's so excited because she didn't have to plant them. The wind and the birds carried the, the, the seeds, and the light bulb clicks. And she goes, I know how I'm going to make the world a more beautiful place. She buys five bushels of these she, seeds, and she spends the next year walking around just scattering these seeds. And people think she's crazy. 
They call her the Lupin, or they call her the, the crazy lady in town. But the next spring, every meadow, every field, every road beside every building, these beautiful flowers come up. Okay? Here's why I want to bring you with this story this morning. Okay? The Lord connected some dots for me this week. Things, something that I've never thought about. We talk about abiding. We talk about the fruit that's produced in us. But I want you to consider for a moment what's inside the fruit. Seeds. So here's how this works, church. Here's how disciples are made. We abide. We obey. The Lord produces fruit. And all around us are little gospel seeds. Kobe is being sent out. And he's bringing with him all the things that the Lord has taught him over the last five years about what it means to be a follower of Christ, of how to be a disciple and also to be a disciple maker. And the conversations that he has The things that he does as he is abiding, the Lord will produce fruit and the little seeds of the gospel are going to be planted all around him. I was talking to Glenn this morning. I didn't share all this with him. He and I were talking about some other things. I was touching base with him on some stuff about the transition with Kobe. And he starts telling me about how the Lord is speaking to him about how we are getting to see the fruit of the gospel in people's lives, that people are growing up in front of us, they're maturing, they're becoming disciples and becoming disciple makers. And that's not happening because we have great strategies or programs. That's happening because we as a church know what it means to listen to the Lord and obey what He says and then trust in Him even when it doesn't look like we think it's going to look like. So church, what I'm saying is in order to prepare, to invest in lives, that we do what we've always said we do. We abide in Christ and we trust Him as we abide to produce the fruit. And then we get to sit back and look at the beauty of what God is doing in our lives as we see those gospel seeds grow in other people's lives, as they learn what it means to be a follower of Christ, to abide and to obey and see the fruit in their own lives. So when we talk about investing in lives, when we talk about sending people out, this is a joyous moment because we are sending out more and more and more people who can abide, obey, and spread the seed as God produces the fruit. Let's pray together. Father, there's a mix of emotions in all of us this morning. God, my my hope, my prayer, my heart, my desire is that we would see with fresh eyes the beauty of what you're doing in our lives. God, even though things feel like they're upside down right now, they're not. You are doing a work in all of us, not just in Kobe, not just in the pastor. But God, you desire life change for all of us and all it requires that we do is abide. We walk with you daily. God, there are opportunities all around us every day for lives to be made better, for people to see the beauty of who you are. God, I ask that you would help us to see that with freshness, that you would help us feel a sense of urgency, not out of obligation, but out of desire to just be peeking around the corner to see what's coming next because we can't wait. 
I am so thankful for this church and for the testimony of Kobe this morning. Because God, what we've always dreamed this church could be, you are making us those people. Father, I personally am so thankful to be a part of that. God, I ask that you would give all of us the desire to know you progressively more and more every day. And that out of that would come an overflow of living water that changes people's lives for your sake and for theirs. Father, teach us to live the way that you lived and to love the way that you loved. Jesus, we ask these things for your name and your sake. Amen.